Um, thank you very much for joining us for the latest view from the lock. Uh, my guest this week, uh, I've been trying to get for uh, a few weeks now, and I'm absolutely delighted they have agreed to come on to the show. Uh, and that is the golf correspondent for the Daily Telegraph and the Sunday Telegraph, which is James Corrigan. James, you're very, very welcome. It's lovely to be with you. James, we have just had a sensational Scottish Open. Um, you know, with it, it's, it's sort of what you dream about, uh, I would say, uh, as a, a tournament host venue. Uh, you've got the local hero, uh, Bobby McIntyre, who's a member of Loch Lomond Golf Club. So maybe for the first time, uh, I've shouted for him uh, against Rory. Uh, he, he does what he does on the 18th, which is an absolute sensational uh, birdie um, from really one of the hardest golf holes there has to be against the elements. Mm. Trevor Illman said, who was a CBS lead analyst, Bob McIntyre, I think if he pars in, and that was from the 17th, he wins. And I think we were all saying that, but he had one Rory McIlroy on his tail who finished birdie birdie, including a two iron to 10 feet at the 18th. What was your take on the Scottish Open, James, and how would you respond to what I've just said? Well, I just think you've summed it up perfectly. <laughs> you should have written about it more than me. Um, I think it was just, I remember the days when the Lock, uh, Scottish Open was at Loch Lomond and there were some wonderful events there. I'm not sure we've had a finish like that in the Scottish Open for many, many a year. Um, it's now up against the Wimbledon men's final, of course. It didn't used to be. That's and right. I think that's maybe it's, you know, so we suffered a little bit in that. But this week seemed to be, this weekend seemed to be so great because not only um, was it, you know, absolutely enthralling finale, but it was also finished before the Wimbledon's men final. And I think maybe they should look at it. I know the Americans want to watch it, but because of the weather, they had to move up the tea times by six hours. So we had a finish by two o'clock. And I can't ever remember being as enthralled by a Scottish Open finale as that. It was absolutely tremendous when Bob McIntyre played that hybrid, mm. you know, to three feet or three or four feet and... You know, we thought that's it. He's he's won. You know, that it was playing so tough, and Rory was Rory held that uh, held that forty footer on the fourteenth, but he didn't birdie the sixteenth. No. And you thought, well, can he birdie one of the last two? And they were two brutal holes. You know, Rory said himself that, you know, um, God, if I can just get one birdie on these next two holes and not bogey the other one, I can get a playoff. And you know, he even excelled his own majesty. He uh, that shot to 17 was incredible, that five iron, so pure. And then the two iron was just, that was just a strike of genius. You you know, that was a shot for the ages. Whatever we see at Hoylake this week, we won't see a shot as good as that. Well, I hope we do, but I doubt we do. And it was just, I felt so sorry for Bob, but, you know, in a way, Rory McIlroy has been on the end of so many heartbreaking, you know, finishes himself. And it was nice for him to turn the tables. I just thought it was wonderful, and it and it just sets up this uh, sets up this week just brilliantly. And it's, it's uh, you know you want to see how Rory's going to get on. You want to see how Bob's going to get on. Bob should take mm. so much confidence from that. He's clearly a great young player. I think we're going to see him in the Ryder Cup now. I think we can be fairly sure of that after uh, 
after the Renaissance Club, and uh, yeah, it was just it was just great. I, I think it was probably the tournament of the year so far. Yeah, I, I think that's that's right. And fair play to Renaissance; they've taken the Loch Lomond model, so they've established themselves uh, at this moment in time as a home for the Scottish Open. Uh, and and I think there's self promotion in, in that, and you know you're getting your name out there. Of course, I've hit the jackpot. You know the genesis, so you're getting some of the top players in the world uh, getting involved, uh, co-sanctioned, uh, which you know. But Loch Lomond also had big players, such as Mickelson was a huge fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's interesting what you said about the the, the playing time and the, and the time it finished, because you're quite right. Uh, it was compelling viewing, and it was in the morning. Um, and I can remember Castle Stewart, that is in a magnificent golf course, but finishing about eight o'clock at night. And yes, there must have been, you know, there was tens of people, not hundreds of people, and it just had lost its impetus. And I think, you know, obviously I'm involved at Loch Lomond, um, so I'm, but I do know that the tour held the event at Loch Lomond very close to their hearts. Uh, and, and I think it's even though our sister course, Dundon Links, held uh, held uh, or, or at the time we've since sold Dundon Links, um, held a Scottish Open, and it was fabulous. Uh, Cabrera Bello won, uh, and that was a, a playoff, and it was very exciting. But I think it's lost its sort of way, the Scottish Open, a bit. Um, mm. And all of a sudden, as you say, Renaissance, which took a lot of criticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, have, you know, definitely the first couple of Scottish Opens, there's a lot of criticism out there for Renaissance. Um, ha- has definitely the changes they've made seems to have uh, helped them. Uh, and and do you think it's now a course, James, that is being spoken about in higher value? No, definitely. Yeah, it's look, it's not a pure links course. It just won't be. You get there, the no. turf's not the same. It's not. But I think it's you know could even be. It's a good halfway house in between what they play usually, and then you know we used to have the Irish Open has now moved off the calendar to somewhere else. So we yeah. used to have you know we had that run where we had three links courses, but now they're just jumping you know mainly from you know the top players are jumping from America to the Renaissance and then to you know the Open, which is always obviously on a on a proper links. And I th- I think you know it's probably a nice sort of. What's the word? It sort of preps them for it really well, preps them for the Open really well. And if it can produce a finish like that, then do you know what I mean? It was, it, like you say, it's a very difficult golf hole, but it, golf hole, but it, you know, the finish obviously gave opportunities to attack it. And, you know, I think it's very difficult to criticise the Renaissance Club now. It's um, how many years more has it got? Three more years guaranteed at the uh, Scottish Open. And they've yeah. said, I'd like to see it move around other links courses, you know, Obviously, it's all about um, finance and um, the investment and everything. But I'd like to see it go to a few other uh, Lynx golf courses. Um, I think uh, Loch Lomond is probably the greatest inland part grand course in Britain, I would say. Colin Montgomery always said that, and I've got no reason to disagree with him. I think it's absolutely tremendous. And I'd love to see you know your place have a, another event. But I think it's important to have a Lynx test the week before the Open because it's so much more. And now everybody's playing in America. Now we had eight of the world's top ten players playing in um, playing in the Scottish Open, which is incredible, yeah. really. Yeah. And you know, 
they're there to win because it's a very prestigious competition and the prize money's great, but also because, you know, you do need, it's so different links golf to uh, what the American style of golf is that you do need that. So I think it's in a really good place now, the scholarship. And I think it's amazing in that how things can just change quickly. You get a winner like Rory McIlroy in, you know, in the magnificent style like that. And people will go, wow, we're going to watch that again next year. But I really agree with you about the times. You know, the timing of it, and it's, you know, it goes on so late because American TV want it, you know, uh, to finish just after lunchtime, at, you know, in America. But it's too late for Britain. It is. People, people have had their, you know, Sunday lunches or people want to go in for their Sunday lunches. And, you know, I just, I, I think that they maybe have stumbled into something really a great formula there. Get it done before the Wimbledon final. Yeah. Dan is yeah. a perfect hors d'oeuvre before, you know, which is usually a great sporting event. And, you know, I was chatting to people in the pubs last night around Holy Lake and they were watching um, they were watching the men's single, but uh, men's singles fly, but as many as them were talking about Rory and Bob and, you know, and that's what you want. You want to get in the conversation. So, yeah, I think it was a, uh, was a day maybe the, the, the tours can learn, you know, now we're having this great era of peace that maybe we yeah. can all pull together and learn, well, this is best for the golf fan, definitely for the attending golf fan, who sometimes get forgotten about. Well, absolutely, James. And, you know, I can remember attending the Scottish Open. It's a couple of things. I'm going to talk about Jock McVicker in a, in a second, but, uh, you know, attending the Scottish Open, uh, and, and it was a class. So I was in a hospitality bit, which was very nice. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, there was Wimbledon final. So mm. you had... Uh, and uh, quite a lot, a lot of people watching the Wimbledon, and then you had the Cricket World Cup final with, yeah, with of course, yeah, that England yeah. New Zealand epic final. Yeah, and there's poor sods putting, you know, and the on the par three, uh, you, you know, seventeenth, and 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 <laughs> they were doing their best, and everybody's cheer, these cheers were going up as <laughs> England, you know, took another wicket or. Federer, you know, aced Djokovic or whatever, Djokovic or whatever it was, you know, and, and, and it was just felt surreal. It felt like the golf was third place yeah. in the whole trilogy of sports. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it was. Uh, yeah. So you, you, I think Poulter, I can remember Poulter smiling. Uh, he was about to play a shot from, from memory or, or I think he was going to hit a putt and a wicket went down. There's a whole massive cheer went up and, and he sort of, you know, he smiled as he hit the putt. So, you know, there's that sort of thing going on. But I think a couple of things uh, as well from the Scottish Open. Um, Jock McVicker, uh, very famous golf uh, correspondent uh, who sadly passed away. Um, well, is a couple of years ago now, uh, maybe. Mm. And, and Jock was just such a tremendous guy. And a uh, nice story that, Bob would have won the Jock McVicker trophy, which was up for the, the top Scott uh, in mm. the Scottish Open. So he nearly got the combination of both. And uh, Bob went to his funeral, made a big effort to get to Jock's mm. funeral, and it showed how close they were. So I think that mm. was a nice side story. There's always lovely side stories to these things, James. Totally. And that's what, you know, that's what makes golf so special. Bob actually couldn't go to the funeral because it was in COVID times. But what Bob did... Right. To me, was even more remarkable. He drove down yeah. from Oban to, um, you know, it was a couple of hours' drive to where yeah. the funeral and stood with everybody else. That's what we used to have to do in those mad days: stand and watch the the coach, cortege go past. Which to me is a what a wonderful thing for a um, a young man to do. 
And mm-hmm. that, I think that's the um, that's the class of the blue. Yes, Bob I agree. is Bob is a wonderful golfer. He's got something different to him. He's got one of those, um, you know, he may be, you know, just well, he's in the top hundred now in the rankings and everything. But you know, he's better than that. He's got yeah. something about him. He's got that X factor you can't define. We try to journalists try to all the time, but it's difficult. Other than to say he's got that X factor, he he's got something about him, and that means as a character as well. He has got yes. something about him. He's got a wonderful backstory, you know, playing his shinty and old ban and everything. I just think he's great. And he'll be in the Ryder Cup, and it'll be so much better for him because he's a team player. You can see us. And Rory going up to him afterwards and saying mm. to him, sorry, because I know this would have meant to you. Like, what a wonderful sport. You know, and we've had, we've had a couple of years of ugliness, but to me, that moment sums up what's great about the game. True. The other little uh, issue we have alluded to was Rory's two iron and um, he didn't have a three iron in the bag. Mm-hmm. And I think, I believe um, from what I'm told that he would have reached for the three iron for that shot. Mm-hmm. So he got a trick mm-hmm. between the two uh, and the four iron. And I think originally he had the four iron in his hand, then mm-hmm. stopped, changed to the two. So mm-hmm. it made the shot even more incredible because in his mind, he felt uh, that the three iron would have been the perfect, perfect shot. So a little. I, I think that in some ways, when uh, a and I, I'm not using this word loosely, but a genius like Rory has to invent a shot. Yeah, they're almost better at it because yeah. it focuses their mind and they play from instinct. And I think the last nine years, when maybe Rory's got away from that a bit, and I think it was t- completely inevitable that he stopped playing through this incredible instinct that he had. And that, when we're young, we all play. You know, we do everything from instinct when we're young. But um, I think Rory, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we look back, and I'm a great believer and I'm an even bigger believer now that Rory will win another couple of majors. And I think we'll yeah. look back on that Sunday and think that's when he rediscovered his mojo. That's when he rediscovered that instinctively he knows what to do. And... You know, I'd love to see him do it this week, and I wouldn't be surprised. And if he does, it'll be because of, you know, because of Scotland, I believe. Well, we you've just opened up the the next uh, the avenue, I guess, the door for the next topic, which is Hoylake, the Open. Uh, what's going to happen, James? Do you think? Oh God, I wish I knew that. I'd be down the piece straight away. Um, I think there's a lot depends on the draw. I'm looking at the weather forecast, and I think people who go out get out early Thursday might have a big advantage. So I think the draws gonna it could be. I'm not. I don't know. I'm not a meteorologist, but it could be very important. It has been in, in a couple of times recently. I remember you know, true in 2016. If you weren't on Stenson and Mickelson's side of the draw, you were. Yeah. I think Rory was on the other side of the draw, finished fifth. I think he was five shots better than anybody else than that. So, you know, there's a lot of link. And obviously, that's what's wonderful about Lynx. Is Lynx golf, it does come down to a lot of good fortune. But, um, yeah, I would, if Rory gets things going his way, then, of course, he'll be involved. But, you know, there's so many contenders. I think Cam Smith has suddenly come back into form. Yeah. That's like he did last year then. Everybody could be playing for second, really. Scotty Scheffler, we know he's going to be there. You know, he's, 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 uh, he's got an incredible record of consistency this year. And, uh, 
you know, you know he's going to be there. You've got Brooks, Kepka. You got, it's, it could be a wonderful open. It really could. It could be a classic. And, you know, and if, if you know, just if the rain doesn't hit and make it too soft, if there's a nice wind, not too, not too strong, so it threatens, you know, delay or anything, you know, we could get a great, um, we could get a great open and everything that makes the open great, which is an aerial golf. It's golf across the ground, especially yeah. if it's windy. You know, people creating shots like we saw yesterday. Um, that's what we want, isn't it? We want to see something different to the week out, week out, week in, week out, fair from the US, which is great, but same, isn't it? And that's why I think now the uh, the British major stands alone. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Laurie, Shane Laurie could be interesting. I thought that he would have done more damage yesterday, uh, yeah. Shane. I mean, I, I think he maybe finished 10th or 11th or something mm. like that. Um, and, you know, I, I was having a conversation with a, uh, a journalist in Northern Ireland and we both sort of came to the conclusion Shane Laurie's a dark horse here that just oh, didn't materialise but I mm. certainly wouldn't rule him out if the conditions were slightly ropey Well he knows how to play Lynx golf doesn't he he's, mm. he's, he's an absolute expert at it he's um, and you know he's the best chipper in the world especially when at the, at the chip and runs he's just you know, he's, he's you know, even Phil Mickelson would take his hat off to him around the... You know, I was watching Mickelson yesterday, got to the press centre, and I was just... It was literally me, him and his coach, and I was just standing 12 feet from him, watching him sending up these chips and doing it any which way. Oh, my God, what a genius. And mm. you don't really see that, in, and I don't mean to be uh, criticising American golf, but you don't really see that so much in America, where, you know, the... Um, the variety of shots these people could create around greens and everything. And when you've got people like Shane Lowry and Mickelson and the like, you know, I, I, I really love watching Tommy Fleetwood play Lynx golf because the guy just expresses himself. You can, you can watch him and see his character coming through. It's like when we used to see Seve playing uh, yes. Lynx golf, you know, the character comes out. They don't look like robots, which they sometimes do on the PGA Tour. Um, and that's the beauty of... That's the beauty of the Open, and I think it's getting stronger and stronger because of it. But you know, whatever happens, I'm sure we're going. You know, as long as the weather doesn't ruin it too much, I'm sure we're going to have a great one. I really do. I've been down the course; it's looking a bit greener than I expected. But um, you know, it's, it's a really great test, and it will. You know, the person who wins it won't, won't just have to hit fairways, greens. You'll have to show a, you know a lot of vision and um, a lot of ability in the. Um, and a lot of ability to play different shots. And, you know, that's what yeah. we love. Yeah, no, and uh, any thoughts on Hoylake as a venue? Yeah, I think Hoylake is, um, I've never been that, you know, I, I know it's history. It's history is incredible, you know, produced Great Britain's two best amateurs in John Ball and Hilt, Harold Hilton. Um, you know, it was, you know, up there with St. Andrews back in the day. I, I've never really got it myself. As, quite, as much as other people, but I like the. Um, I had a walk around. I seen the new hole, the seventeenth. I like that. It's yeah, uh, okay. just about fits in with the layout. People will criticise it, but it it's a, a great time, and it's you know if the winds blowing, it'll there'll be a lot of jeopardy there, which I always like. You know, on a penultimate hole, hole of a major. Um, I like it. The fans come out in force. The fan Liverpool fans, yes. brilliant, absolutely brilliant. They are something mm. different. And, you know, I think that's what we all realised when we came back in 2006. It hadn't been 
Open hadn't been there for 39 years. And the fans were just, you know, go on, Tiger Lad, and all of this. They're, it's yeah. unique. They're distinctive. And, um, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, I think the atmosphere is going to be sensational, James. I absolutely agree. I was going to bring that point up. Um, uh, you know, Terrell Hatton, you know, got to mention Terrell. He goes in these unbelievable birdie runs, but there's a lot of questions about his temperament and maybe and we saw a bit mm-hmm. of it at the Scottish Open when he was in contention. Uh, some people think it motivates him, which I think he's not far off, uh, yeah. landing something big. Yeah. Um what what's your thoughts about Terrell? I think he's no better golfer to watch. He just I just and and I because and I, and I, I know him, I know that it's totally not his character. He's not he's the nicest guy you could ever meet. And you know, he never shouts at anybody but himself. You know, he yeah. never ever go at his caddy, he never certainly wouldn't have a go at marshals or fans or anything. He's just takes it and he's got um, I was chatting to his dad about it, and his dad said now, what Tyrrell does, he, if you look at the stats, when he has one of these hissy fits, he bounces straight back. He's got a really good ability to you know, put that behind. I think yesterday, um, I was chatting to him. I saw actually, I was on the way to the train station, I saw Mick Donahue's caddy a couple of hours ago, and he said we should have won, but he was going for everything, and it was that. He knew, he thought he had to get maybe more than he did, but... It was one of it was those conditions when you're going for anything, it didn't take much. It's, you know, it's really no. fine margins. And But he wants to win. He doesn't care about coming second. He just really doesn't. And I think there's a big one in him. But he's, his record in the majors recently is just terrible. And he's got to sort that. He's yeah. obviously got a mental hurdle to overcome. And he knows that. And, um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't invest any of... Uh, if I had any money, I wouldn't invest any of it in Tyrrell because I think he needs probably to be in the heat a couple of times before he can, you know, before he knocks one off. But he's put so well. Yeah. Like you yeah, say, so. when he's on a run, he's almost irresistible. But he mm. he won't back off. That's the thing about him. When he will win one, it won't be because of, you know, caution. It will be because he's gone for it. And uh, I, I think he's one of you talked about characters and we talk about characters in the sport. I think he is a really great character. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, people I should look at him and realise he's just shouting at himself. That's all he's doing. Yeah, yeah. And, and listen, I love watching him as well. He's so, And I think he'll be great for the uh, European Ryder Cup team. He's the boy that will yeah. blast a few birdies uh, when you're not suspecting it or when you need it most. Um, so if you did have to put any money on Mr. Corrigan, um, you know, I give you 20 quid, 10 pounds each way. Mm. Who would you who would you go for? Well, each money, each way money would have to be put Scotty Scheffler in, wouldn't you? Because you know he's yeah. gonna finish. Um well, who was it? Yeah, David Facey from the Sun told me yesterday that Scotty Scheffler is nine to one with somebody, I think it was with Coral, although there are right. other bookmakers available. Uh, <laughs> and that's top twelve. Like that's buying that's buying money. You know, Scheffler yeah. is so consistent. But you know, he hasn't. He's won. You know, he's not winning that much at the moment. I know you can't criticize the man. If I had to put my money on, I think it would be on Cam Smith to win it again. Just think, if his putter wins, then yeah, he's you know, in great form. form. I think that last week, as great as it was, Scotland. I think that was tough. That was tough for them. It was a very exerted week that they. 
you know, they've been through the mill then. And Cam Smith is just obviously plays on live. He won his last live event he had last week off. He's been up in Hoylake for a few days. Saw him yesterday, he looked really confident, hitting the ball great. And he just knows if his, you know, if the flat face can just perform its magic, he's going to be there. So, um, yeah, I'd love to see Rory do it. But, the, you know, the heart says Rory, but the head says Cam Smith. Yeah, I mean, an interesting stat, Tita Green. So Tita Green, Scottish Scheffler, is playing at a level that was peak Tiger Woods. Yeah. So that's what uh, listeners maybe can uh, have a think about that. Yeah, and I, I think when you say that, it's important because, yeah, you know, his putting hasn't been great and he no. has struggled with the putter. But the, the greens are going to be quite slow this week because the green keepers, the green staff rightly have got to keep it a bit longer the grass a bit longer just in case the high winds came up because you'll get yeah. threats of delays. You'll get balls moving on greens and you can't have that. We saw that in St. Andrews in 2015. Um, and I've, and you know, not just me, but m- many people have said that if the greens are slower, you know, it suits the poorer putters, or not the poorer putters, the people who aren't quite as prolific with the putter. And, you know, I could see, you know, that, that will help Scotty Scheffler. Um, I wouldn't put anybody off Scott, Scott Sheffield on a bit, but um, no, not him. He's he's a great guy, and he's he's seriously like you said. You talked about Tiger in his peak. Well, the great thing about Tiger in his peak is that he was probably better on the greens than anybody else as well. But so we should always be wary of comparing with Tiger. But well, Sheffield is in an incredible run of form. Yeah, he is. He is. So I agree with you, James. I think you're right in what you're surmising there and and they're the golfers to definitely watch out for someone will come out of the pack of course and yeah. have a and have a go and have a blast it'll be a name that people haven't really uh thought about too much you know could it be a podrick harrington if the uh is there four rounds in podrick that's the thing yeah, that's, the, uh, that's, the, that's the doubt yeah that, that's the doubt but after um the open has gone come and gone mm. thoughts are definitely going to be turning to the Ryder cup yeah. Now, I know that it's impossible to talk about it without talking about the current situation with live PGA, DP, unbelievable 360-degree turn. Mm. Maybe for some of us, it wasn't so startling. Uh, I think I've always thought something would come out of it. But mm. where are we, James, with this live PGA, DP discussions and players' responses? It's gone a bit quiet but what an amazing turnaround! Yeah, it's a you know it's a mess, really, isn't it? That's what it is. Yeah. It's a complete mess. Um, the players aren't talking about it because they don't know what to say. You know, we had Xander Shoffley last week coming out some very strong comments about Jay Monahan, saying he's lost the trust and um, don't wish ill on the man at all. He's coming back. You know, the PGA Tour commissioner is coming back. Yeah. To work on Monday, not he's not coming over to Scotland. Uh, sorry, to Hoylake, but he's uh, going to be back in his back in his office in PG Tour after a, after an illness. And you know, great to see him. But you know, he has answers. He has questions to answers a lot, and people don't know. And I don't think he has the answers yet. You know, um, they don't know what's going to happen next. Nobody does. You know, I chat to people. All the time, well, I can't think of really being in the know, and they're like, "God knows what comes from here. God knows where we go." You know, is there going to be? I, I'm starting to believe that maybe they won't be able to get an agreement for a merger. 
you know, that maybe it'll just be a couple of years of a parallel tour before, you know, it just fixes itself, which I think would be a huge shame because you don't want a divided. We've seen yeah. how this last two years has been. Um, we don't want the divided sport. Uh, but I don't know, when you talk about the Ryder Cup, the live players won't be at the Ryder Cup. Guarantee you that that's not happening, and the PGA Tour will be able to pick their live players, which you know is it's a bit of a farce, really. Then, isn't it? So, you know, Brooks Kepka will definitely be in the US Ryder Cup team. You could see somebody like uh, Shambo, someone like that. You know, if they got top five this week, they could come into consideration. So, you know, they're getting their best players and Europe won't be getting their best players. Um, and it will make it a bit of a farce, but it's the Ryder Cup and next. And we know how yeah. great that is. And there'll yeah, be drama. And... Yeah, there'll be buckets of that. But it's the golf fan that's getting shortchanged. I mean, a couple of things, I think, from this. The Saudis surely won't want to operate outside of the governing body uh, much more. I, I mean, there's talks about Greg Norman uh, stuff being circulated that he's been asked to stand down. Uh, that's, I think, one of the prerequisite of the deal, uh, mm-hmm. apparently. But as you say, who knows? Um, it's all very cloak and dagger, and that, that means there's a vacuum. And, of course, when you get a vacuum, everybody's theories go in to the centre, mm-hmm. so you don't know what's happening what's not. But... Um, Surely, James, the Saudis will not want to operate uh, outside um, the the PGA in particular, mm. you know, and, and and this must be a way of them getting in uh, and and moving forward with with the PGA and DP World Tour, for what it's worth, and eventually with a World Tour, a bit like Formula One, rolling into a city. Uh, with all the top 150 players in the world, sponsorships falling out of the sky, huge sums of money, big TV revenues. That's where it's going to end up, isn't it? Well, that's the end game, yeah. But I think we might have a few years to reach that. I don't think that will be agreed in the next few months. I just can't see that happening. But there's too many um, there's too many personal fiefdoms for start, you know, to people. There's too many uh, power issues for per, for you know, just individuals. This all has to be, we have to go through this process, I think, of maybe there isn't a deal this time. Maybe they'll come back to the table again. You know, but at least there won't be the same, um, the same divisiveness. But then again, if the Saudis started taking people away again next year, we could be back at square one. Um, I would hope there'd be some sort of deal in the next few months, yeah. but they haven't got long. They haven't got long because schedules have got to be worked out. Sponsors have got to be lined up. And, you know, we, they just can't allow the Saudis to fund everything because then they've lost. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I, I really I, I really struggle to see how a deal would be done before the end of the year. I think if we're looking at 2025, I think next year might just carry on. In this sort of treading water, I think there'll be a live, a complete live schedule next year. I think yeah. uh, the DP World Tour won't be able to have the schedule they want because things aren't satisfied. The PGA Tour will just carry on. They've got this huge uh, TV deal that they've got yeah. to satisfy. 
and then maybe 2025 that's maybe when we'll see the you know the new green sheets of the, the you know the new promised land but um yeah i think this is going to drag on for a while and i as much as it's great for a journalist because all of this speculation and uh, recrimination is always great for newspapers um people are so interested in it i can tell you that by mm. the you know the internet hits that's great for that for the sports i think you know people will get fed up with it eventually um so you know i think the power brokers have got to be mindful of that they've got yeah. to um there's got to be a vision at the end of it whereby it's not just about personal power it's about the good of the game when we hear that you know grow in the game of golf what a load of nonsense that is mm. um you know they've got to come together and find a way and find a way that you know and it could be you know i'm not a great fan of the source of the money but it's you know it's, it's the reality of business nowadays isn't it so um golf has got to make find a way to make that work for itself and then i think it could have an incredible you know future of the next couple of decades and are the players from what you hear there seems to be less issues now between the players of all three tours. Obviously, DP and PGA are, are, are in harmony. Uh, but um, I'm hearing that um, there's less aggravation. Is, is that correct? James? Yeah, I think I think, I think that has happened organically. Anyway, you know, golfers don't really like confrontation. You know, they're individual no. um, individual contracts. You know, when we go to a golf course. We go golf course to get away from confrontation, don't we? And I think that, you know, when we step up to the first tee on a Saturday morning, I think, you know, it's for us to put those sort of issues aside, isn't it? And I think that atmosphere actually exists in the professional because you've come so used to it. So, yeah, I, it hasn't been, you know, there have been hardly been any rows in there. The Sergio had a flare-up in... Um, in the Munich locker room last year, there was obviously a bit of Rory and McElroy and Patrick Reed, but that was handbag stuff. So mm. there hasn't been any of that. And so they just blame the media then. They just say, oh, it's the media's fault. There's um, actually no animosity. Well, there is, there was, you know, obviously under yeah. the service, there was a lot. But now that the power brokers have said, you know, well, we're, you know, we love each other. Everything's great. They can't be, can they? So, yeah. uh, I'm sure there is a bit underlying. When you heard Rory McIlroy last week say he'd rather retire than ever play yeah. golf, you understand there. In certain corners, there is a bit of a needle, um, and I'm sure if Rory's heading down the 18th on Sunday and Patrick Reed's next to him, that you know, that'll <laughs> obviously add to the tension. But that's a good yeah. thing. I think that yeah, just it is. Yeah. So, yeah, I think from the golf point of view, I think we can put that aside this week. Because you know the majors are bigger than that. Suddenly, it's bigger than yeah. money. It's bigger than you know. It's bigger than Saudi petrodollars or anything. It's about winning the Claret Jug, and that is that's the biggest thing of all to me. Yeah, absolutely, and and uh, I'd agree with you totally, James. Um, listen, you absolutely fantastic to, to to give us your time and and thoughts. Um, just a, a shout out to a, a golfer because in this podcast, I, I guess we try and sometimes focus on on people that are doing exceptionally well um mm. if we can and maybe not talked about uh much but there's lynn grant uh mm. on the uh well she's a swedish girl um 
and she's just won in the LPGA Tour and apparently very close to shooting a 59, mm. which would have been the second time that's ever happened. So mm. she won the Dana Open um, by three shots mm. over the US Women's Open champion, Alison Corpez. Mm. So that's four PGA Tour starts since mm. uh, Lynn has gone over and she's had a win, two top fives and three top 20s. And the word is to pay attention that this girl is really seriously good. Um, you, haven't so mentioned, you haven't mentioned her, uh, her ancestry. Her, her dad, her grandfather was a Scotsman who went over to Sweden as a travelling pro. She, she's got tartan blood. I'm surprised you, you mentioned Jock Picker. Uh, you mentioned Jock yeah. a while ago, and he uh, we used to call him the tartan vampire because he'd sniff out Scottish blood at it. Anywhere, and yeah. he would, he would, Lynn would have been a Scot by now if Jock was there. I'm guaranteed she's a great player. She won the Scandinavian mix last year, right? She's really going to be a really big asset to the Soline Cup team. And you know, mm -hmm. that's the week before the Ryder Cup. We should give that a big shout out because you know, uh, yeah. Europe are going for the they've never done it before, but to beat the Americans three times in a row in the Costa del Sol, I'm really looking forward to that, you know, and, yeah. You know, that, that's not just a warm-up for the Ryder Cup. That's a huge thing no. in its own. Absolutely massive. And I'm looking forward to that just as much as I am the Ryder Cup. I agree. Leona Guire, I'm a huge fan of uh, and, and followed her career. She Charlie Hull's been wonderful. Charlie Hull. Wonderful. Charlie Hull. Wonderful. What a she was on the podcast, James, and I laughed at Charlie's absolutely great attitude. Oh. She said, Bill... I don't look at a scoreboard. I'm not interested in looking at a scoreboard. I'm only interested in birdies. Yeah, well, her round, her round last week, you know, was she summed that up. You know, she shot 6-5 under 68 at the Centurion Club. She had 10 birdies and she had a 10 on her card. You know, she had a quintuple bogey 10 on her card and still shot 5 under. 10 birdies. Yeah. Right. She is fantastic to watch. She is. She goes for everything. She doesn't she doesn't have second gear. She has one gear, and that's the top one. She's brilliant. Yeah, I, no, absolutely. And one day it'll all come together, and she'll win a major. I guarantee you that. Yes, I think so too, James. I would definitely tip Charlie to do that, and, and I would fancy Leona to certainly get close as well. Um, you know, I think she's got a fantastic attitude to the game. I'm glad you mentioned the Solheim Cup. That I agree with you is as big as the Ryder Cup. Um, cool. Have you any thoughts about ladies golf in general? Uh, is it struggling to get a voice? Do you think, James, or the alternative is actually gathering momentum? Yeah, I've I've always um, wrestled with this in my head. You know, you watch the Wimbledon the last couple of weeks and the exposure the women tennis players get, and you know they, we haven't got many homegrown good women tennis player, but obviously there was Emma Raducanu, but she's been injured. And I think, you know, I do feel a bit sorry for um, for Charlie, Hull, Georgia Hall and, and the rest of them. Um, but, you know, it's the media's fault and I'm part of the media and it's just for whatever it is, maybe because it, it's not on the same platform, you know, obviously if they played, which is impossible, if they played the men's major as time, the women's major, there'd be more so I've, I've wrestled over this for decades and decades and still have no answer because it's brilliant to watch. I actually find it more relatable to my own game, and I'm not saying that's because women wouldn't stuff me 10 and 8 every match we play, 
but it's just because yeah. of the distance they hit it and the uh, you know you can understand it more and you, you can yeah. you can sort of um sort of be amazed by their brilliance just by you know thinking well i'd have 160 yards i'd be happy to get it near the green and you know <laughs> these women are sticking it to three feet regularly and uh so yeah, I, I, I wish I had the answer. Honest to God, I wish I had the answer of where they go next. The prize money's increasing, which is brilliant. Yes, very well in America. Um, but then it's just like they let the prize money goes up, and then the men's prize money because of this the live issue suddenly increases twofold. Yeah. So they must feel like they can't win. But uh, you know, I think all they can do is play good golf. That's all they can do, and that's what they're doing, aren't they? So yeah, oh my god, it's fantastic. So, you know, that's all, and people will gravitate towards it. I'm sure of that. Yeah, yeah. So am I, and I think the live thing, you know, might scoop up the ladies' tour as well. Um, certainly, I'm sure discussions will have been taking place, and if they haven't been taking place, well, shame on the tour. Well, I'm sure they have because it's an open goal for them, really, isn't it? You know, with their, if they are trying to sports wash their reputation. You know, if they can uh, raise the women's game to the status it should be, then that is yeah. probably a PR win for them. And that's to be cynical, but that's what it's about, isn't it? So, yeah, you know, you've got to hope they've done that. They've you know, they, you know, they've always almost kept the ladies' European tour alive with the uh, Aramco team series. So, you know, if they can push into America now, then that would be great. That would be a great byproduct of this. Uh, totally and i think like you you know if it comes together they're going to benefit the the ladies too and they do, certainly deserve it as well um i'm at hoy lake on sunday james so if we get a chance to yeah. uh to catch up again uh i would love to yeah. uh really really enjoyed i mean the time's flown in uh and uh really enjoyed your comments and dissection of scottish open and comments about Hoylake and, and Liv as well. Um, I, I know the members and people that listen to the podcast will, uh, will certainly enjoy this particular interview, James. So thank you so much for giving up your time to coming on. Really, really appreciate it. Well, no, thanks. I've enjoyed it. And I'd just like to say to your members, you are very, very lucky people to play at such a wonderful golf course. And I mean that. Thanks, James. You're a good lad. Cheers. 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 Bye.